I think he's going to have a big year for the Lions. Big time impact. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Extra Points. So for Matt Doyle, Tony Bolton, Ted Pickus, Jared Carner, and the rest of the crew in the studio, I'm Stephen Schuster saying good night and go blue. The Wolverines are victorious. Six and gloves everywhere as a maze mob storms around Elmont Boyas. Elmont Boyas skating around the boards in his own zone, celebrating, banging up against the boards. Bringing out the Mason Cup as the Wolverines celebrate. They have won the CCHA regular season and now the tournament as the Wolverines, the undisputed champions of the CCHA. Welcome to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, your home for Michigan hockey. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And headphones in place, I'm Jim Dwyer. All righty. Well, my head is still not in place. I uh, went to uh, Chicago this weekend to see the Rolling Stones. Oh. <laughs> Missed so- the Comerica Park show, huh? Soldier Field, what a... Wow, what a different look it's got. It looks like an alien spaceship was plopped on top of a, you know, classic sort of Roman uh, field, because Soldier Field, you know, was built, gee, I don't know, 100 years ago. Yeah. And uh, Mick Jagger is just incredible. Unbelievable. That's all I'll say. And spent way too much money and (laughs) walked way too many miles. To get to and from Soldier Field, but uh, uh, the pyrotechnics I could have lived without, but it was uh, an unusually rewarding experience. Uh, they're apparently retiring after this tour for a variety of reasons, but uh, I'll just say, in spite of uh, my fondness for other bands, the Rolling Stones objectively are still the greatest rock and roll band of all time. They are uh, legendary for many, many reasons. And I bet Mick Jagger is in better shape than any 64 or 63-year-old man, woman, or alien in the world. (laughs) (laughs) What a guy. So, anyway, um, obviously tons of news uh, over the week, uh, the continuing catastrophe in the uh, Gulf, and even a power outage today in L.A. with a... Interesting ramifications. Too early to tell. It sounds like somebody might have accidentally clipped a power line. But it uh, shows the vulnerability of America's infrastructure, which we can talk about in upcoming shows. Uh, Bushy, you're doing a hell of a bad job. (laughs) No more needs to be said about the hapless, helpless... Hopeless Michael Brown, he uh, finally resigned today. I don't think there should be much discussion about why he was canned, but uh, I think there should be an investigation into why he was hired. Uh, He seems to have had no qualifications for this job. None of the senior FEMA officials had any experience in disaster relief, emergency preparedness, even law enforcement. And I think this puts and highlights a nonsensical notion that exists in Congress, because it's their job to... uh, 
have hearings on these matters and uh, ask questions. And there are too many congressmen, unfortunately, that have this attitude, well, it's the president's man. He gets the job automatically because we have to uh, allow the president his men and women in place to, quote, do the job. Well, listen to Dick Cheney's quote on that very subject here. Uh, in defending the uh, administration's FEMA appointees, uh, he, Dick Cheney remarked to reporters last Thursday, quote, you've got to have people at the top who respond to and are selected by presidents, and you pick the best people you can to do the jobs that need to be done. Uh, a staggering uh, absence of meaning there. Uh, of course they're selected by presidents. Thanks, Mr. Cheney. Yeah, who seems to have been on vacation even longer than President Bush. Uh, we'll give a quick brain damage award to President Bush for his unbelievable statement today. Uh, he's been touring the region where he said, quote, it's preposterous to claim that uh, there wasn't enough troops on the ground because of Iraq, pure and simple. This is just an outright fraudulent statement. Bush is obviously in damage control mode, but the facts are 40% of the heavy equipment, 33% of the troops themselves in the National Guard of Louisiana and Mississippi, that equipment, those personal personnel people, are in Iraq, pure and simple. End of story. So, and that's uh, not really what the National Guard were ever intended to do. Exactly. They were actually intended for these sorts of emergencies, and it was actually pointed out um, that uh, there were National Guard troops on the scene back when Camille hit, within 24 mm -hmm. hours of uh, the catastrophe that hit that region back in the 60s. So uh, for President Bush to continue to be in denial mode about this fact uh, demonstrates that uh, he's a man that instead of advocating intelligent design, needs to start examining unintelligent design. Well, people may want to go back and look at the uh, rapid treatment that the state of Florida received from uh, FEMA uh, last time hurricane season came around. Of course, that was an election year, and of course the governor of Florida was the president's brother, and he really did have to look good because there are some political uh, historians slash uh, political scientists who argue that President Bush 1's uh, failure to deal with Hurricane Andrew in 92 right. was a factor in why he fell on his face. Speaking of President Bush 1, uh, the statements made by Barbara Bush last <laughs> week are unbelievable. So we'll read them. Uh, she, of course, is the mother of our current president, like uh, son, like mother, I don't know. Although she looks like George Washington in drag. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Who's let himself go. And, of course, interestingly, they had a item in the Harper's Index several months ago, percentage of Republicans that say they would vote for Bush over George Washington, 62%. Yeah. Anyway, uh, getting back to Barbara Bush, uh, don't call me Marie Antoinette. She uh, made these incredible statements uh, while touring uh, a Houston relocation site. She said, quote, what I'm hearing, which is sort of scary, is they all want to stay in Texas, unquote. This basically on a radio interview um, last Monday, uh, the radio program Marketplace. Quote, everyone is so overwhelmed by the hospitality 
and so many of the people in the arena here, you know, were underprivileged anyway. So this seems to be working very well for them. Really. <laughs> this is just yeah, who wouldn't, who wouldn't want to live with their families and small children in a massive in the Mondo Stadium <laughs> uh, with no privacy, with nothing really to call your own, except for the shirt on your back. The one's it's working out great. I mean, yes, it's, it's some place to stay, but I wouldn't say that it's working out great. Yeah, uh, it just shows uh, how clueless she is. And, of course, the Astrodome was once called the eighth wonder of the world. Or the tenth wonder. I, I can't remember what, what how they were characterizing it. As was the Superdome, by the way, which obviously is going to have to probably be uh, imploded. But of course, what's really imploding is Mr. Bush and the whole um, management of our government. Uh, you know, you see these numbers, the response to the disaster, the chronology of the federal government's inaction. It's appalling. That's all he can say on the matter. Now, I think things are finally getting under control. There's obviously progress being made, but it's absolutely incredible to contemplate all the lead, benzene, and E. coli that is, they're just dumping into Lake Pontchartrain. Right, with the uh, hope that the lake will somehow cleanse itself. Um, who knows how long that may take. Interesting photo on the back page of today's Ann Arbor News of... It's almost like a psychedelic, uh, surreal photograph of a street sign um, where the water is nearly up to the uh, the green and white uh, lettered cross signs there indicating the streets and the rainbow-colored water, very thick with petroleum products uh, and the reflection of a shadow of a stop sign at uh, uh, nightmarish still in spite of the uh, ground that has been regained. Well, some hard questions will need to be asked about how to rebuild New Orleans, what, you know, how to do it right, where to rebuild, and, and what to do. There's an absolutely amazing map uh, in today's New York Times showing the area that's still underwater, which is about 50% of the city. And having been to New Orleans a number of times, um, I'm familiar with many of these neighborhoods. I uh, never went up into the Lakeview uh, Gentilly Area and they've got an excellent socioeconomic breakdown of the uh, education level, income level of people affected, and uh, you know the 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 uh, data is just staggering. You know, 346,000 people live in these areas that are pretty much ruined. Uh, so the uh, numbers are just mind-boggling. You know, when you consider that this area, the affected by the hurricane. Uh, represents about 1% of GDP and 856,000 people's jobs pretty much don't exist at this point, right? Staggering numbers. And I just want to make a brief comment about the, I think, somewhat off-base um, nonsense about the uh, race component. Obviously, the uh, inattention devoted to the Superdome and the so-called convention center um, disproportionately affected African Americans and uh, FEMA's response as we're now learning is simply inexcusable and you know for Michael Brown to state on national television that he's first learning of this from Paula Zahn uh, three days after the flooding started 
is unbelievable in and of itself and probably was one of the reasons he ultimately had to be sacked. But uh, let's remember that many of these areas to the east of the so-called French Quarter and particularly the Gulf Coast of Mississippi and Alabama have devastated white Americans. So I think it's really nonsensical to claim that this is a there, that there was a racial component. Um, I think that it was incompetence. I don't, I don't think race played any part. I think you can believe, and of course there is some evidence that there was more attention devoted to evacuating uh, well-to-do Caucasian tourists from Canal, the Canal Street area, which fortunately, by the way, a good chunk of Canal Street is uh, not in the flood zone area, and that's kind of where the French Quarter is if you've ever been to New Orleans. But I, I, I do think that the number of Caucasians, so to speak, have, is staggering too, and uh, we shouldn't forget uh, that they have been impacted uh, horrendously. They've lost everything they have, and as we've remarked previously, Many of them don't have insurance and are not going to be compensated under vague homeowners insurance policy policies that, quote, give uh, relief to people that suffer wind damage but not flooding uh-huh. damage. Um, the court cases on the, involving the insurance companies will be very interesting indeed. And, of course, recently uh, Congress and Bush's policies in that area have – benefited the insurance companies, the corporations. They're going to get off the hook, and these so-called nuisance lawsuits uh, will not probably see their day in court. A tragic development. Yeah, uh, one thing on the matter of race is that, uh, yes, indeed, you know, uh, poverty knows no racial bounds, and uh, there are a number of uh, poor white folk uh, in the areas affected as well, but... uh, in the turbulent storm of images which you know fill the media uh, there there is something to the fact that the camera and the the most desperate scenarios did seem to focus on Americans who happen to be of African descent mm-hmm. um, there's an article in Saturday's New York Times by Judith Boomiller uh, who quotes an unnamed African-American friend of Carl Rove which that's really great of Carl Rove to have an African-American friend, but uh, this individual who, you know, doesn't want to upset Carl by uh, identifying himself suggested that uh, Bush didn't actually uh, land in the, you know, and and do more uh, looking around on the ground in uh, New Orleans because he was afraid of uh, being confronted by an angry mob of African-Americans and what that image would have looked like on the telly. And that's quite possible, because let's face it, African Americans don't support uh, the president. They didn't vote for the president. There are overwhelming numbers that show, for instance, on the war in Iraq. They just think it's a uh, disaster, which of course it is. And of course, the stats show um, from today's uh, New York Times that 76% of the people with significant flooding are African American. That's in the city of New Orleans. Mm -hmm. But obviously some of these other areas that are, quote, not New Orleans, like they're the greater New Orleans right. area, um, are uh, disproportionately white, so to speak. And certainly the Mississippi areas that I've actually – I've been to Waveland. I've been to Gulfport. I've been to Biloxi just by coincidence. And, of course, this is where the casinos are. But the whole catastrophe just raises so many issues 
about what's been going on in our country for the last 30 years. You know, you have a state like Mississippi that derives a significant portion of their state revenue, their tax um, base. Um, meanwhile, of course, they've been cutting taxes, income taxes and other forms of revenue and relying on casinos to provide the money. And, of course, the casinos in Biloxi and Gulfport are pretty much gone. And will be for the foreseeable and future. they're submerged in a policy of neglect and stupidity because relying on gambling revenue is no way to run a railroad. Uh in my humble opinion, and of course it disproportionately affects the poor who are the victims of the uh, 99 to 1 odds that you uh, enjoy when you go to the casino. So uh, these policies uh, should be re-examined as well. Interesting uh, column by uh, Paul Roberts, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury under Reagan, who I've uh, quoted uh, articles by him on this program before. This is on the uh, Counterpunch online, and his piece is entitled Power Grab in New Orleans, and he suggests that uh, one possible reason besides incompetence for the delay is to uh, take advantage of, uh, well, I'll just read this passage here. First of all, he says that the overhyped threat of terrorism has become a greater threat than terrorists themselves, and I think that speaks to what you just said about this you know, mismanagement of uh, government resources and tax dollars poorly spent, but uh, Paul uh, Roberts writes a little bit uh, below, the lawlessness provided cover for federal government to violate the Posse Comitatus Act and send in regular military troops to police civilian populations. Both the New York Times on September 8th and the Washington Post on September 4th and September 11th report that federal or active duty troops are being used along with National Guard and police. Now, of course, any port in a storm um, uh, could be offered in defense there. But as you've also earlier pointed out, if all these uh, Louisiana, Mississippi National Guards men and women were in their home states, there would have been no need to call in uh, federal troops. This is true, and it once again raises questions about the Iraq policy, which if there's any benefit for President Bush on this catastrophe in uh the Gulf region of our country, it's that the media, of course, is well, the Iraq story has, has been submerged in the muck of uh, New Orleans. Indeed. And uh, we're not hearing about the muck of, of uh, Iraq. I, last week, just by coincidence, happened to be working on some older uh, clippings of mine and ran across the week after we had yanked down the Saddam Hussein statue uh. in Baghdad. I'd just like to point this out to these 75% of Americans who on the 15th of April supported the war in Iraq, um, basically one month into the catastrophe over there. Uh, the Iraqi people suffered the hurricane of Bush Blair. And, of course, hurricanes are named for people. So uh, it would be appropriate for Americans who see this devastation in New Orleans to appreciate on the 15th of, of April 2003 Baghdad, a city of 5 million people, by the way, does not have water. They don't have sewage. They don't have electricity. And guess who they're angry at? Do you think they're angry at Saddam Hussein? No. The media spin, the change between, you know, the so-called jubilation 
on the 9th of April in which the statue was yanked down. And, of course, we now know that a lot of the images there were manufactured by the American military. Yep is contrasted by the absolute disaster on the ground. What is occurring in Baghdad on, on the 15th of April? No sewage, no electricity, no running water. No schools, no jobs, no hospitals. To 5 million people. This is, you know, 10 times bigger than the city of New Orleans. And what else is going on? Looting, which, of course, Rumsfeld famously at the Times called untidiness. Uh, so this lawlessness... The impending um, future of Iraq could be seen and foreshadowed on the 15th of April of 2003, and it would be appropriate for Americans to realize that the situation in New Orleans today is almost analogous to what it was like in Baghdad. Of course, it was hotter in Baghdad. Right. It's dangerous to fall into the, the trap of self-pity and uh, exceptionalism to assume that one's own suffering or the suffering of one's own people is somehow worse than the suffering abroad. Uh, you know, most Americans have forgotten the uh, Union Carbide disaster in Bhopal, India, yeah. in which uh, two, maybe three times as many people, uh, in fact, much more than that because there are children being born with the uh, uh, consequences of that toxic poisoning. Uh, far more people killed uh, in that incident than in uh, the attacks of 9-11, and uh, how easily it's forgotten. Well, and the ironic thing, too, about Union Carbide was it was one of the only stocks that went up in the Dow that year, because there was mm. speculation after this total catastrophe in Bhopal, which, as I recall, had an impact on roughly 400,000 people. The, the num precise number of dead I can't remember, but it was in the tens of thousands. It was unbelievable. And here in America, the um, geniuses on Wall Street are running up the stock of Union Carbide on the grounds that uh, they're a takeover target. <laughs> and, of course, Union Carbide paid out some unbelievably obscene uh, amount of money in, in restitution that was less than $500 million. We're spending a billion dollars a day in New Orleans. Some experts are claiming that this will cost uh, anywhere between 300 and $500 billion. And as one uh, wise uh, pundit put it, uh, take whatever the government says and triple it. <laughs> well, why not? That's what all military contractors do is uh, triple their figures. Uh, if we hadn't already pissed away uh, 569000 uh, $569,000 a piece for 800 Tomahawk missiles, for example, in the early stages of uh, the Iraq War, um, we'd have some resources to uh, assist here. Indeed, and of course, uh, just you know, a number that I always am just blown away by, uh, just from the 1980s alone, during the Reagan military buildup, in which this notion of uh, massive defense spending coupled with uh, tax cuts for the rich and... Uh, Giveaways to the corporations you know, of public resources. A total erosion of public infrastructure, cutting uh, levy production, this sort of thing. I mean, this, this mentality, uh, alas, has been going on in America. And, of course, all this counterproductive energy policy to boot. What energy policy? Yeah. Uh, more for the gas companies uh, and oil companies so that they can continue to... 
rake in extra normal profits on human catastrophes like this. $1.1 trillion of spending during the 1980s is completely unaccounted for. And this, of course, is part of this new era of no-bid contracts, uh, feathering the nests of campaign contributors that own these corporations that then are, are granted policies uh, in Washington that benefit. And I'm sure, alas, we'll see, and we're already hearing it from the conservative quarters like Steve Forbes and uh, Grover Norquist, who uh, I, I would kind of like to see a public hanging of Grover Nor- Norquist at some point, or maybe he's strangled he's, in a bathtub. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. He's uttered some really remarkable things that, uh, you know, Joseph Goebbels wouldn't have uh, said these things yeah. publicly uh, that Norquist has. And speaking of military contractors, at some later program, since we're close to the uh, end here uh, for this evening's program, we'll need to talk uh, about Doug Fife, who has rematerialized, um, and uh, his legacy at the uh, Defense Policy Board, uh, a group of 30 people who, uh, I'm reading here from an article by Evelyn Pringle, um, who for the most part were chosen by Rumsfeld and Fife that advise officials on whether to go to war or not. Many of its members are literally making a fortune off of a war that uh, which they have been promoting for years. Mm-hmm. At least nine members of this 30-person uh, group have ties to companies that won more than $76 billion in defense contracts in 2001 and 2002 alone. And that, of course, is part of the so-called Rumsfeld rebuilding reorganization of the military under his tutelage. Uh, before 9/11, this, right. this was going on, and of course, was given a much higher priority in the early year, uh, months of the Bush administration than either terrorism or uh, apparently disaster prevention uh, and uh, care. And uh, what more needs to be said? Uh, if they can throw money at the problem uh, the way they do uh, w- with our Pentagon. And, of course, this gets back to the fact that, you know, the, the bottom line is 90% of our military spending ends up overseas anyway, uh, you know. In the construction of bases and the yeah. uh, stockpile of, of equipment, which in some cases is never even used. You know, we got a military presence in 151 countries out of the 196 countries that are sovereign nations on the globe. I mean, that, that alone says something. And, of course, then what do we get this week? We get some rumors coming out of Washington, that China may make a military move against Taiwan because of oil resources. Okay. Uh, What's that based on? Uh, Nonsense. And, of course, it's probably the rumors are are circulated by the folks in the Defense Policy Board. Right. And their conflicts of interest abound. So, yeah, there needs to be an entire reexamination of this entire government uh, because Bush's... uh, Management is uh, deficient here. Uh, I'm not too sure uh, where the, uh, the the degree came from, whether he ever did the work. But, of course, he might have an idea about what the National Guard actually does if he'd showed up for duty himself. But, uh, well, that's an old story. And, uh, well, the swift boating of John Kerry was pure entertainment and propaganda. Maybe we need to start looking at the slow boating of the Bush administration uh, with their (laughs) uh, rather uh, skewed priorities. Yeah, and what I would say, egregious malfeasance, to throw a couple of 25-cent words out there. And you just used the phrase a while ago, throwing money at a problem. 
that was a phrase that had a lot of uh, currency in the 80s, mm-hmm. Republicans denouncing uh, – Anybody who wanted to increase funding for education. Yeah. Oh, if you throw money at the problem, that's what the liberals want to do is throw money at the problem, and that's going to make everything better. Well, it's funny how throwing money at the problem seems to work for uh, foreign policy and military contracting and so forth, but not for our nation's children. Well, and that moron from Arizona, Flake, is you know out on the tube these days talking about vouchers as being the solution mm-hmm. for all these... Uh, children and I, it's you know the numbers are staggering. It's like a hundred and three hundred thousand children are homeless and disrupted this year with their school. And then we of course have good old reliable Rick Santorum. What more needs to be said about this guy? Except I, I don't know a straight jacket might help his, uh, his a rubber pro- room his problems. Uh, he actually made the incredible statement last week in the midst of this catastrophe. That quote, and I'm paraphrasing here, we need to look at stiffer penalties to impose against the people that don't evacuate. <laughs> it's like, okay, what are you proposing for these people? I mean, it's already by shootings been established that the people that didn't evacuate couldn't evacuate. They didn't have for the resources. a number of reasons, they right. They didn't have the buses. They didn't have this. And... You know, maybe one guy that's actually going to come out of this looking okay turns out to be the mayor of New Orleans because he's the one that was sounding the alarm bell early and often while the governor of Louisiana was sort of uh, in her slow boat uh, figuring out what to do. And Bush, of course, was on Air Force One flying west giving speeches about Medicare and uh, comparing Iraq to World War II. But, yeah, Santorum, uh, this guy is absolutely incredible. He's running for re-election next year, by the way, so maybe we'll see the last of that moron. And he can homeschool his children because <laughs> that's uh, apparently what he does with his own children. He extols the virtues of that all the time. But uh, government maybe is not the uh, – maybe they are part of the solution. Not part of the problem, to paraphrase Ronald Reagan's famous well, of course, this is statement. This is a real problem, and it's something that the Republicans have made a, a lot of headway with: is using the kind of false populist rhetoric to denounce what they 